if this sounds okay, that's always my first question, where you're from. Um, it's just always fun to see where people tune in from. And, um, oh, hi, Rhonda. <laughs> it's, it, it's miserable and raining here today, and my kitties are so unhappy, and there's two of them, Buster and Lily. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if they crash the webinar a little bit because they want to go out and it's raining and they hate going out in the rain. Um, and if you've ever worked with a nervous horse with Surefoot, um, you can just pop that. Buster, you want to say hello? Here's Buster. He's purring. <laughs> but he'll cruise by. <laughs> um, he just really hates the rain. Yeah. Um, this scene was taken a couple days ago, just before the rain started and um, the clouds were coming in. And then we're supposed to get a freeze, and I think that's going to be the end of my flowers. So um, if we don't get it to dry out before the freeze, it's going to be pretty ugly, I think. All right. So, oh, hi, Helen. All right. So like I said, if you have any questions, um, anything, if you have something that you want me to talk about in this webinar, um, just pop in the chat, put it in the Q&A. Um, more than happy to answer your questions. Hi, Cynthia. And, um, and we'll talk about that. Um, one of the things I want to talk about with Surefoot is that there are oftentimes horses that are nervous and anxious. And I don't have a lot of photos of that because typically when they're nervous and anxious, I'm busy. I'm not able to step back and take pictures. But I do have a webinar that we did, um, actually I think it was about three years ago now, um, and I can show you some video from that. What happened in that webinar was um, we were at Kelly King's place, CRK training in, Mass in uh, Pennsylvania. And literally just before we broadcast, there was a lightning strike that hit the pole right outside the arena. And the young horse named Big Boy was looking out the window when that happened. And so he got a really big fright. Um, and so uh, that really kind of um, created a nervous, anxious horse for us. But I don't have the very initial part of that. I think probably our internet went down for a moment. And so when I looked at the webinar just now, it's missing the very beginning part where I first started to work with him. But you can still see a lot of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, Surefoot is really great for these nervous and anxious horses. You just need to modify your approach a bit. So um, typically when I approach a horse, you know, I'll, I'll take uh, a pad and when I'm working with a nervous anxious horse, I start with the physio pad, typically the half physio pad. And the reason for that is it's, it's inch and a half instead of two inches tall. Um, it's easy to handle as opposed to a full physio pad. Um, I can, um, you know, it's just easy to work with and it's not a, as big a demand uh, on the horse as some of the other pads. Um, I typically start on the orange side, which is the inch of hard, because I just want to kind of tweak that horse's attention. Now, the, the thing that I'm doing when I'm approaching a horse with a pad is I'm reading them from the moment I start the process. The moment I, you know, the horse comes in the ring and I pick up a pad, and if I see signs of anxiety, if I see high-headedness, um, snorting, um, you know, wanting to move, frantic kind of wanting to move, uh, nervous about everything around him, calling for his friends, then I know this horse is already in sympathetic. He's already stressed. And I don't want to do a whole lot that's going to increase that stress. What I'm really trying to do is show him that there's a possibility to decrease the stress. So my approach has to be uh, broken down into a lot smaller steps than if I'm working with a calm horse. Um, most particularly, I might pick up the pad and um, present it, like I might, I have one here, um, but it's okay, I can, you know, I kind of hold it toward the horse, um, especially if someone else is holding the horse. I'm standing at a bit of a distance, and I just begin to hold the pad out toward the horse, but I never let them touch it or sniff it at that point. I hold it out, and I take it away. And I'll do that several times. I'll hold it out and I'll take it away. And what I want to see is, do they start becoming curious? Can I get them interested in this thing that I'm holding? And if I see them start to reach their head out a little bit, bring their muzzle a little closer to the pad, I then remove it and let them go for a walk. Um, and the idea here is, um, just like learning anything, that 
if we exhaust the nervous system, if we present the nervous system with too much information, be that horse or human or dog, um, then we drive the system to the strongest habits that take the least amount of energy. So when you're learning something new, um, there's a lot of focus and attention going on that. And, and if you don't, that's Buster, if you don't have the information to, to figure it out, then you're going to start to try and use the patterns that you have or recruit extra. So kind of my example, I was just, um, I'm working on a book and I was writing about Surefoot and in the beginning, when I started doing this, I would get the craziest questions. People would see a picture and they'd say, well, you know, how do you strap the pads to their feet? Um, because they, they could not, looking at the picture, get the idea that the horse walked off the pads. They saw, saw somehow they were strapped to their feet. And once they realized that wasn't happening, then they were like, well, how do you even get the pads under, you know, the horses won't stand, nobody's gonna stand on that. Um, and then they would start to try and associate Surefoot with something that they know you know, oh, that's like fill in the blank. Oh, that's like, you know, um, is that like massage? That was a big one. Is it like massage? No, nope. sure if it's nothing like massage because I'm not using my hands and I'm not working on their body. Um, but when we don't understand something, when we don't know something, we're, we, horses particularly can be afraid of it because they're a flight animal or curious about it. And if I can get the curiosity, then I can start working with those more nervous horses. I always think that um, curiosity and fear are two sides of the same coin. When you watch a young foal looking at something, Buster, quit. It's calling the furniture. <laughs> Just wants my attention and he wants to go out and it's raining, you know, so he's a frustrated kid. Um, but you know, you'll see a foal, it'll get really curious and then it'll jump back and kind of go and hide by its mom and then it'll come back and check it out again. Well, that's the what I'm trying to do by offering the pad and taking it away. I'm trying to get the horse to become curious about what I'm doing instead of afraid of what I'm doing. And I typically won't use food. Um, and the reason being that nervous horses are often distracted by food. Um, just like people are distracted by food. You know, we nervously eat when something's bothering us. And so, I, you know, I question whether or not the horse is really paying attention and I don't want to surprise them. Um, and also, uh, I think it's working different parts of the brain. Not that food is a bad thing, but in those moments, especially with a horse that can be sort of food aggressive, I definitely don't want to use food. Um, we have people ask us on occasion, is it okay to let the horse eat while he's on pads? Hmm. You know, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but I, again, I want to try and get the horse's awareness on what we're doing. So by distracting with food, I think you're kind of setting up a situation where they could be even more surprised when they suddenly discover what's happening. Um, so I'll, I'll hold up the pad and I'll take it away and I'll do that several times. Um, and then I'll just walk away. And I want the horse to be going, wow, well, that was okay. Nothing really awful happened. Um, and to start investigating, start being curious. And then many times what I'll do, and this um, kind of goes back to Sharon Wilsey's work where she talks about a sandwich. Um, many times I'll turn my body so that my back is to the horse and the pad is in front of me so that I've put the horse in a position of being safe behind me, that I'm going to protect you from this scary pad. You think it's really scary. Um, and I actually had a horse in Canada. Uh, what was that? Anyway. Um, and working with that horse over three days, I never got him on a pad. And, I, and it very quickly became not the point. So it's rare to have a horse that's that concerned about something under his feet, about that that concerned about the pads. I mean, it's really rare. If you think about a bell curve, the number of horses that have had extreme reactions in one way or another are very few, but they do exist. And the owner had already informed me that this horse was very foot sensitive since he was born and um, that she'd been dumped a few times because he had stepped on something and freaked out. So we knew that there was a foot sensitivity issue. It was barefoot, um, but we knew there was a foot sensitivity issue. So um, what we did was I showed her 
like I, a lot of times, this is another tactic I'll take. I'll put the pad on the ground and I'll kick it away from the horse and I'll kick it around. And I'll just, whether the owner's hoarding, holding the horse and he's staying there or whether I'm leading him and again, he's behind me, I'll kick the pad around and push it away from the horse and I won't let them touch it. So how many times have you seen a horse touch something and scare themselves? And you certainly don't want to let him get his teeth on it because if he locks his jaw from a fright, that could be really, really bad. Um, so you always have to think about the possibilities of keeping the horse feeling safe and starting to develop that situation where they're starting to trust you, in this case me, that I'm not going to put them in a situation that's more than they can handle. And I want to instigate that curiosity instead of pushing them into fear. So by, you know, like holding out the pad and taking it away. And then a lot of times the other thing I'll do is I'll take the pad and I'll touch it on my nose. Right? So horses want to touch things with their nose. So I just show them, look, I can touch this pad with my nose and everything's okay. And I might throw it on the ground away from me and they might startle back which is fine. I just go with them. I never try to stop them if they're going to go back. Um, but to see, wow, okay, I'm not afraid of that pad and it went away or I keep myself in between the pad and the horse. And I'll do that until I see the horse really starting to get more curious until he starts to reach out with his nose and just about touches it with his whiskers um, where he starts approaching the pad on his own, not because I've asked him. And when I start to see that, then I know that I'm starting to get this nervous, anxious horse more on the side of curiosity. Of course, if it's on the ground, he's starting to approach it, he's lowered his head and neck. That's gonna help us get to parasympathetic. Um, I take them away a lot. So um, when they're presented with something that's, a, that's scary, if we push them into it, we're just gonna instigate the problem. Um, the other thing is that, and I see people do this all the time, that when there's something scary in the corner of an arena, they make the horse face it. Well, we know from understanding how horses' vision works that it's very difficult for them to see something close up from the front because of the way their eyes are. And the other thing is we haven't given them an escape route. So when I see a horse that's nervous, say about a barrel in the corner of an arena or you know, something that he's worried about, I always, and this is in my riding clinics, I have the rider ride parallel to the object. So if the object is here, I have them ride parallel to the object. And I have them ride as far away from the object that the horse can walk calmly past. In other words, if I bring them in too close and they're scooting, I'm not making a difference. So I start with them as far away, I gotta move my hands over, as far away as needed so that they can see the object on one side and see that there's a safe place, a place they can move into on the other. And I'll do that quite a bit and then have the owner ride the horse gradually like a half horse width closer and closer until they can go past the object and the horse is okay. So I think a lot of times what we do is set the horse up to frighten itself because we're not thinking about how they see. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen professional riders force the horse into looking at something, force the horse into a position where he's worried and causing him to have to react and escalate in his behavior, such as spinning or twirling or, you know, um, panicking or rushing. So the idea of, of recognizing the horse's, Sharon calls it his bubble, you know, the, the field around which his, is his body that he feels safe. It's, we have a bubble, horses have a bubble. Um, acknowledging that, putting myself in a position between the horse and the pad, allowing the horse to move away, not forcing it on him, gaining his curiosity, gaining his trust, touching it myself. And the other thing I'll do is a lot of times I'll stand on the pad and I'll jump up and down. <laughs> and I'm just like kind of jumping up and down a little bit to show him, hey, this thing, this thing's fine. And then another strategy, um, which I've done on occasion, is I let the really frightened horse watch when I put other horses on the pads. So I had an opportunity one time where I had, I think it was seven or eight horses in this particular herd. And one horse was really afraid. 
And so the, some of the other horses, like two or three had been on pads a year before. So I had them all in the arena and I just started going around. They were all loose, no halters or anything. Just started going around and putting horses on, on a pad and started with the ones that knew it and then increased that to the ones that didn't. And they're all standing around and they're yawning and they're licking and chewing. And they're sighing. Three of them laid down. Um, and I let this horse watch and also sense what the other horses were experiencing. So we can use the really confident horse, the horse that's been on surefoot pads, the horse likes surefoot pads, to help convince the one that isn't so sure that this is a good deal because they can feel that. They can sense it in the other's body. Um, so those are just some basic strategies uh, in approach in just beginning the idea, seeing how the horse responds. If I see a horse even just a tiny bit cock its head and you know put an ear on it, I'm like, you know, we're gonna slow down. Um, if I have a rider on and I wanna use Surefoot with the rider being on board, I always take the rider off first if I see any sign of anxiety or, or I don't think the horse has been on pads before. So if the horse has been, has stood on Surefoot, um, in the past, I can pretty much tell when I walk up, he's curious, he's interested, he may already be licking and chewing, he may already be sighing. We actually have some data now um, from somebody where the horse's heart rate was already lower than normal. And I said to her, because she had a heart monitor, and I said, could he see the pads? And she said, yes. So, um, and I've seen this where horses are already letting down just by seeing them because once they understand that they bring comfort, that it's like, it's like you seeing, um, you know, your favorite movie is about to come on TV and you're like, oh yeah, I just love that movie. I can't wait to watch it, right? So the horses are like, oh yeah, there's that surefoot pad. I can't wait to stand on it. I know it's gonna make me feel good. So they're already letting down. Um, it's the UPS guy. <laughs> hey Brad, yeah. can you get that? Um, Never a dull moment on a rainy day. Um, so, you know, it's great when you have another horse that is really comfortable and relaxed, and that's just really, really helpful. It's also really helpful if we can be calm and relaxed. So if we're a little bit worried about how things are going to go, we're already telegraphing that to our horse. Okay, so um, my approach is I'm already looking at that horse to see, you know, when I pick up a shortfoot pad, is he already reacting to me? Um, I did have one horse that I was mm, 20 to 30 feet away and I picked up a pad and that horse was starting to run backwards um, and the rider was on. So it was really clear to me, we're gonna have to break this down. So I took the rider off. I took the horse, took the reins over his head, right? Took the rider off, took the horse. And again, put myself between the horse and the pad, kicked it away from him, let him look at it, finally let him touch it. We spent maybe five or 10 minutes and it was just clear that he was not gonna like settle at that moment. So I let it go. And I think that's a really important thing that you don't have to get this all done in a day. You can, um, you know, you can take several days to introduce your horse to a surefoot pad. There's no goal, there's no prescribed pattern, there's no, you know, you have to accomplish this by a certain time or the horse must do this. There's none of that. It's all written in sand. It's all um, observation. And if there was one thing when I was creating Surefoot that I was concerned about was not whether other people could do this, it was whether other people could see what I see. Could they read the subtle little signs? Could they see the changes in the horse's tone? Could they see the subtle changes in breathing? And fortunately, since I started eight years ago, um, there is so much, there's a wealth of knowledge and information out there available to help people see more. Um, Sharon Wilsey's work, Horse Speak, is phenomenal. Um, oh, best pad to start with, nervous horse, half physio pad. Um, I got one right here. Okay. Half physio pad. So it's a 24 by 16 by an inch and a half. And it's hard, inch of hard on top and a half inch of medium. So you can flip it over and use it on the other side, but I always start on the hard side. 
And the reason I use this pad is it's the lowest profile. It's only an inch and a half, not two. It's a little bigger surface area, so we have a little more room for the horse to kind of find a place to put his foot. Um, it's easy to work with. Um, and I will typically start on the left front also, simply because uh, front feet are safer than back feet, and left side horses are more used to us uh, handling them on the left side. Um, I want to set myself up for success. I want to set the horse up for success. I want to, you know, make sure that I'm not uh, having any goals. And so that's why I say you can you can take days to to get a horse comfortable with the pads. I do not recommend that you leave them in the stall with the horse um, for a couple of reasons. One, they could get destroyed. But two, you want that horse to associate you with the comfort that the pads offer. You want that horse to go, wow, Wendy brought me this really comfy pad. It felt great. You want the horse to acknowledge that, that you're, there's this association. You and the pad are one thing here, and you're making the horse feel really good. And the horses absolutely remember. The horses absolutely uh, recognize. In fact, one of the biggest problems my, my students have that they complain about is that the horses want to be with me and not leave me. And I could walk around the arena and it doesn't matter where I am, it's the same thing because I've made them feel good. Um, and so taking your time, most important thing, keeping your sessions really short. And when I say really short, like 10 minutes total, 10 minutes from the time you start to the time you end, including all the walking, including walking away, including everything. Um, and then letting them think about it, letting them soak on it. So it's their brain functions in the same way ours does, that we have to put in a little bit of information and we have to let it process. And in that processing, that happens a lot in our sleep. It happens a lot when we're daydreaming. It happens a lot when horses are just snoozing in the field. What's happening in those moments is that you're gonna get this serotonin wash and you're gonna get this, these dendrites starting to form and dendrites are the interconnections between the nerves and as they start to connect, we start to get new patterns. So that takes time. Um, some horses are faster than others. Uh, I mean, I literally had a horse go from rearing to grazing in three and a half minutes. I was at a, doing a demo at um, an expo and I was supposed to be teaching a jumping demo and the surface was, slick clay with empty, you know, unweighted PVC pipes that were smacking the horses in the legs and it was a nightmare. And I had one horse that was rearing with the child. And so I stopped the demo. I went over and had her dismount. I took the reins over his head. I walked in front of the audience. It was about 300 people. I took a pad and I just took the pad and I tapped it against his hoof. I was curious if, if it just touches his hoof. And here's another strategy to not actually put the foot on the pad, but just to see if, if the pad comes in contact with the hoof, does the horse react? Does he shy away? Does he go to look at it? Does he, you know, jump back? Um, you wanna know all those things before you ever bend over. <laughs> um, but I touched his foot with the pad. There was no reaction there. I brought the pad around to the left side. I keep one hand on my back. So I had my hand on my back holding the reins and that's the reason for that is safety. If I have one hand on my back, right, then I only have one hand to lift the leg. And that keeps my hands away from the hoof, which when you're working with a nervous horse is really, really important. Because these nervous horses, you, you don't know what they're gonna do the first time. You don't know which way they're gonna move. You, it's also another reason for picking up the leg just coming down the cannon bone so that you're not fully bent over. The more upright you can be, the easier it is to get out of the way, the safer you're gonna be if something happens. Um, you know, horses move fast. So anyway, I stroked down his leg, I picked up his foot, I kicked the pad into place, I used my foot to orient the pad where I want it, set the foot down, he reared up instantly. So I reared up, he moved off to the right, I took him for a little walk, I walked him back around, the second time I picked up his foot, set it on the pad, he pushed himself sideways, no rearing. I let him go for a walk. We walked back around to the pad. I picked up his foot again. I put it on the same foot, put it on the pad. He dropped his neck, stepped off. I walked around, I came back. I picked up his foot, I set it on the pad. 
put his nose down and he was literally nuzzling the ground. Now, you know, I've wondered, I've seen this many times with very nervous horses that when they put their necks down, they will often nuzzle the ground. I saw it with a Shinkti pony in another expo arena, um, no grass in sight. It went to every post and nuzzled the ground. And I, you know, I have been trying to understand what that means for years. Um, Sharon Wilsey, again, has given me some clues. She says that they're emotionally trying to reset themselves with the, because uh, this is a way to activate the limbic system, the emotional centers of the brain, which Linda Tellington Jones has talked about forever in terms of doing mouth work and, you know, working the upper lip to activate the limbic system, the emotional centers. Um, but I hadn't, you know, it's like, are they grazing? What are they doing? But it makes the most sense that when they're muzzled, is down there and they're rubbing with their lip, they're trying to activate those emotional centers to calm themselves down. The total time from picking up the, the reins and to have him nuzzling the ground was three and a half minutes. The total time on the pad was maybe four seconds. So this is one of the things that just blows my mind um, in that it was only four seconds on the pad, and yet we went from rearing to grazing. Um, you know, it, it's not only that the pads won't attack. Horses are just, you know, if there's something they don't understand, their you know, nervous horse's response is going to be to flee, to move away. That's what they're really designed. You know, we do it too, by the way. You know, when we're nervous and anxious, we want to flee. Okay, so I've got a question here. Would you call a horse just dodging the pad as nervous towards it? He will touch it and try to play with it. When I place the pad under a foot, he will just put his foot on the front or back of it. Um, yeah, I would call that a nervous horse. Um, the, the, what we tend to not recognize is that what we call fooling around or poorly behaved or you know, not paying attention or pawing to be um, just behavior. But we, we really need to look at that as um, what Robin Hood talks about as I've forgotten the word now, but um, it's, it's a redirection of flight. So fooling around is part of the sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, faint, fool around. So they're not okay. Vegas is not happy. They are not feeling safe. And what they do is they distract. They, you know, paw at the pad that they, um, you know, dodge it. They do all these things because they're not okay. So, you know, the best thing, and trying to play with it, also trying to bite it. Um, the, what I would do is just see if you have tried a back foot sometimes, and if it's your own horse and you have somebody to help you to hold the horse, not cross-tie, because you don't ever want to cross-tie the nervous horses. They, they're going to feel restricted. They're not going to be able to feel like they can move. You know, bad things can happen if you have the, a nervous horse cross-tied and you're trying to do surefoot, okay? So don't do it. Um, but if you can have someone hold your horse and then place a pad under a back foot, I find that uh, a bunch of these horses that are really anxious pawing with the front foot, when you put it under the back foot, is very, very different. They'll settle. Um, so that's one strategy. The other thing is that I would just keep the sessions short. Um, I would present frequently, but not for long. Um, you might, tr you know, let's see, uh, that, that he only puts the front or back of his foot on is not unusual and not to be worried about. So there's a lot of horses that, that will just, oh, where's my pad? You know, they'll just put a toe on it or they'll just rest their toe on it or they might move their foot off and just put their heel. And if it's just their heel, then I start to think about a slant. Um, but it, literally, it doesn't matter how much of their foot's on the pad. So I, I have a lot of expo stories today. I was at an expo. Um, a guy came with a two-year-old Appaloosa. Um, there was no way I was going to put a pad on this horse's foot with the rider on. I took the rider off. I just touched the pad to the side of his foot. I picked up his foot. It was like, no, okay, let him walk. Came back, picked up his foot. It was a big crowd. This horse had not been in an environment like this. It's a closed building. It's noisy. There's an audience. There's other horses in the arena. And then I picked up his foot, and he literally had this much of his foot, maybe a half an inch on the pad. Maybe. Completely changed. Big sigh. Walked off. 
came back, could put his foot on the pad. So, um, you know, I think of it as kind of sampling, you know, just tasting it. Um, keep trying. I have hard and hard slants. Oh, hard slants. Awesome. Uh, keep it short and try the hind feet. But the other thing is when you have a slant, I don't have one up here. When you have a slant, you can just ask them to stand on the very edge of the slant where it's super thin so that they're only getting a little tiny bit of pad under their foot, right? So if it's thick to thin, it's three inches at one end and it's, you know, what, a quarter of an inch at the other end. You can turn the pad in such a way that maybe the toe, like if here's my slant, maybe the toe is just on this part here, just on the very beginning of the slope. So very, very little. One of the things about horses like that, and you know, I've, I've seen a lot of them. They're not, when I say a lot, you know, I've seen a lot of horses <laughs> over the past eight years. And so there are these horses that only want to have a tiny bit of foot on the pad, maybe only want to rest a toe, um, you know, are unsure about it. But the other thing we have to look at is, if this is how they are in relation to this surface, how are they in relation to other surfaces? In other words, that's, that reaction that we see is going to play out somewhere else in his life in some way. And so that's why kind of pers quietly, persistently, encouragingly pursue it because I think when your horse starts to recognize that there's comfort there, you're going to see a change in other ways, in other um, environments, in different movements. And so, you know, I mean, I, I have, <laughs> um, Snip is my, you know, he's my long hauler, um, three years, and he's still making changes. Um, it was a Pasifino that had um, been injured in the field as a foal and then went to a bad trainer, um, was very anxious and nervous, uh, you know, grabbed at the reins and fussed and wouldn't stand at the mounting block and rushed and all kinds of things. And, you know, he's made great improvement. Um, is he perfect? No. Has all the behavior gone away? No. But is it really downgraded? Yeah. And is he continuing to make improvements? Yes. And the thing that we have to realize is what is our, our goal? If we had one, it's to help this horse feel secure and grounded. And if he's really uncertain about things under his feet, he will never be truly secure and grounded. And it's that grounding that helps horses be able to evaluate a situation, to be able to stop and look and go, okay, that's not going to bother me. Versus the horse that turns their head and literally falls out of balance because they can't hold their ground. So when you have this huge 40 pound head at the end of a three foot lever arm and you turn to look at something, if you're you know, it knocks you off balance, you're off to the races, you're gone. And then the rest is history. So the nervous anxious horse is always going to show us things about their pattern. Um, and it's important to think about it, it, you know, is this a pattern that I see elsewhere? Um, and then just working slowly. And, you know, I mean, it, it could take you a month. It could take you two months. I had, um, Becky Kells on last Friday, great webinar for you to watch with the Nervous Anxious Horse. Um, and her horse is a stallion that when she got him, his story is amazing. He's 13 now, but he still doesn't stand totally on pads, but it's made a huge difference to his life. And he's, uh, <coughs> excuse me, changed a lot. But, you know, she's so funny because she's a two-hoof uh, two surefoot practitioner and she works with all these other horses and she puts them on pads, <sighs> big side, drops their neck, lick and chew, you know, all the things that we normally see except for her horse. Um, and so they're a challenge, but they're also the ones that we're going to learn the most about. Let's see, uh, keep it short. Oh, he's a nervous OTTB and he didn't have a great past. Yep. So that makes sense. Um, yeah, just you know, and if you have another horse around that likes Surefoot, that he can watch, it's really helpful because they're going to get the feeling. We've had um, um, uh, stories about like the practitioner went to work with one horse and another horse walked on up and stood on the pads. <laughs> they just invited themselves to the party. Um, and so having other horses around that are enjoying it is always helpful. And with off the track thoroughbreds, the, the grounding and the foot issues 
and oftentimes pain that uh, creates habits, um, it can take a little longer, but definitely worth pursuing. You know, and the other thing is to not make a big deal out of it. Some people get, you know, oh, my horse won't stand up. It's like, you're, well, you've just learned something really important about your horse. And so let's look at what we can do to help that horse. And it may be a combination of things. Maybe, you know, you, you know, your farrier needs to get in there and make some changes too, or, um, you know, a whole variety of things. But, uh, you know, I think it's worth pursuing just calmly and quietly, very short sessions. Uh, I just have to have a drip, sip of water here. You know, there's a probably one of the most nervous, anxious horses that I've seen is a horse that Robin Hood has, an Icelandic, that was drugged behind a cart. Um, and so sounds, everything, wicked, anxious, nervous horse. Super interesting horse because, I mean, he was so over the top. And she, um, she recognizes in hindsight that she made a mistake starting with the medium pad and it scared the horse because the medium pad is really springy. And the last thing you want to do is offer a horse, a nervous horse, something springy. <coughs> Excuse me. Because that springiness is frightening. Um, you know, if they feel ground squish and then spring back, it's scary. Which again is why starting with hard, starting with the physio pad, the physio pad and the hard pad, let me just press on that a little bit here. So it's gonna it's gonna come back, but it doesn't have a bounce to it. So it's gonna give to heat and pressure, and it, and it's not bouncy like medium. So that's why I start with that. It's gonna give directly, and it depending on the temperature, like now as the weather cools down, at first it's gonna feel really hard. <coughs> Excuse me, and then it's gonna give slowly to heat and pressure. So. Um, a lot of times what you see is you put a horse, okay, so I've, I've gone through all the stuff of getting the horse used to the pad. I've now approached the horse. I let him sniff it. Sometimes I might stroke him with the pad. Eh, typically, I'll use my hand once in a while. I'll see what he's like if I touch him with the pad. Drop the pad on the ground, stroke down the leg, pick up the foot, the hoof, kick the pad underneath with my foot, set the foot down, and then make sure there's plenty of loop in the lead. Not cross-tied held really loosely, whether that's me holding it with my hand on my back or somebody else holding it, allow the horse to move off, most important. If he moves off, what you know is that he lost his balance, whether that's mental, emotional, or physical, that's why he moved, right? Um, the other reason could be flies, fright, which in this case is what we're talking about, food, friends, following, or finished. But with a nervous horse, it's usually a fright. And you just allow them to move off because the minute we start restricting them, now we escalate the behavior. Now the horse is like, oh, there's something really wrong here. And you're trying to keep me on this thing. And oh, it feels really awful. So you let them move off. I'll take them for a walk. I take them for a walk and it gives them a chance to go, oh, that wasn't so bad. Um, I had an Arabian stallion, an older Arabian stallion, actually been gilded by the time I met him, but um, he had an incredible pullback. You could not tie him to anything. And um, the first time I put a pad under his foot, he flew backwards. And it was, I expected it because I knew he was a pullback horse. And he flew backwards because one of the things you have to realize with horses that pull back is that in order to pull back, they have to push against the ground with their front feet. It's the only way they can do it. They push against the ground and they use that to pull back. So when you have a squishy object under your foot and you go to push on it, it's going to have a different response and it could be very upsetting. Um, but I expected the response. He pushed back on it, went back, let him go back, let him think about it, came up again, offered it again, pushed back, but not as committed. And that's what you'll see with these horses most times is you'll see what I call less committed. So when you're really committed, it's the only thing you can do, right? Um, you know, you've gone off over the edge of the cliff. With each offer and over time, what I see is a decrease in the intensity of the behavior. So the pullback horse is really committed the first time, the second time it's kind of, the third time it's a thought. And what I'm looking for is 
not just a decrease in that behavior, but I'm looking for, I think of it like a switch where suddenly I see a different behavior. So with the pullback horse, you know, it was going back, going back, going back, and then all of a sudden it was sideways. Oh, that's different, right? And then next time it's forward, and that's awesome. So I watch these horses when they come off the pad for no matter whether it's a second, you know, 30 seconds, however long, where do they go? Do they go forward? Do they go sideways? Do they go backward? And typically a nervous, anxious horse is going to go somewhere other than forward. They're going to go sideways. They're going to go backward. They might fall left or right. Um, and so that's just important information because the calm, relaxed horse typically lets their ne neck down and steps forward. So, you know, I, I watch, I don't worry about how long they're on the pad. I've seen horses like not even touch the pad and have a change. Um, and I give them plenty of space. I don't interfere with them. I don't go up and pet them. I don't try to lower their head. I don't interfere with them. I just put their foot on the pad. I step back, I give them space, and then I allow them to move in whatever direction they need to move. And believe me, that is hard for a lot of horse people to do, to step back and allow the horse to move in whatever direction it's gonna do. And, and it's not even that we're conscious that we're trying to manage that horse. It's so habitual in our case, and this is a great opportunity for us to look at our reactions and our habits. Um, oh yeah, that's a good, I'll get to that question in a second, Rhonda. Um, so, you know, so often we're trying to hold that horse or make that horse behave or stand still or be quiet or not move or, you know, whatever, and to just let them go in whatever direction and simply observe that is a, is a, it's a challenge for some people. So Ron is asking if pads freeze in horse trailer or barn, does that, oh, no, nope, they're fine. Freezing is fine. Um, um, you know, a lot of times we tell people if, if it's really cold to use the uncoated side first, the, the direct foam side, because what happens is on the regular pads, there's a white line and that surface can, is going to give at a different rate than the foam below it. So you may get some cracks in your surface. Um, but no, in fact, the, the hard pad, I throw it in the freezer if I want to get a good impression on a warm day. Um, so I know if you, if, uh, yeah, no, we don't have a problem with them freezing. I thought you were asking about horses that freeze because horses can freeze. And I have seen horses freeze on the pads. What do I mean by freeze? Fight, fight, freeze, faint, fool around. So it's when they become rigid. Um, you can pick up your freezy horses right from when you start to ask for the foot. The freezy horses are going to be really rigid in their leg. They're going to be really stiff. They're going to brace and they're already setting up. So when I was in, um, when I went to Equitana in 2015, the first time I had a warm blood dressage horse and it was fascinating because he was really shut down, really shut down inside. Um, and I couldn't pick up certain feet at all in the beginning. In fact, I was just thinking about it the other day. Um, they had me do a TV interview with Surefoot, and uh, I could only pick up like one foot, maybe two. There were two feet I couldn't pick up at all. Um, and so over the quietum for demos, 15 minutes a day, twice a day for like six of my days. And at one point we put a heart monitor on him and when I would put a pad under a front foot, his heart rate would be normal, you know, 40. And I would walk to the right hind leg and it would shoot up to 160 with zero change in behavior, with no external expression. So horse's heart rate can really jump like that. And, you know, he was basically in some degree of freeze. Um, and the only way we could tell that there was a shift inside was the heart rate monitor. Um, what I wanted to do is I want to get to this, um, this video where I'm working with um, Big Boy. This is a webinar I did a couple of years ago. You can find this webinar in full. I think it's on the Murdoch Method YouTube channel rather than the Surefoot YouTube channel. So he was the one we had literally just had a lightning strike out the window in the direction that he's looking. Um, and he had been right by the wall when it happened. And he's two years old. I think he's two, 
He's like 16 two, it's big. Um, and so he's gangly and I'm just gonna play this a little bit. So I'm just talking about that. And you can already see there, he's like uncertain. And so Debbie came to help me. Debbie's the handler right there, not the owner. And um, she came to help me. And what we, I'd already been working with him a tiny bit at that point, which like I said, it wasn't at the start of the webinar, we lost the very beginning. Um, so I just had her walk him away. And um, what I'm gonna do, I hope I don't make you nervous. Uh, kind of, I worked with some, this horse unmounted. Okay, just I'm just gonna let the video catch up. This is a really lovely little horse. And then I had big boy come back. Oh, I remember now, it was at eight minutes. Hang on, I just have to find my eight minute mark. Oh yeah, so I'll just back this up. Okay, so there's big boy down at the end. You can see how bracy he is in the front feet right there. He's already pulling back, even though there's nothing to pull back from, right? Um, and I'm, you know, obviously talking to the camera, so I can't see this until I watch the webinar and then I can see it. But, you know, and Debbie's just trying to reassure him a little bit. Um, you know, obviously he's not interested in putting his head down. He's having a hard time standing still. Um, and let's just see if we can get to where. Okay, so here he starts to, I ask her to bring him over, right? So just watch when he's already starts, he's looking out the door, right? There's that scare, and that's also where he leaves, right? And then here he's already starting to question, and look at his attention. It is not on me, it is not on Debbie, right? It's on what happened at that door. And so I just let him look at the pad, and you can see he puts his head down, but he doesn't touch it. And look at the behavior of like, I think I'm leaving, right? And so I just come around and Debbie's great. She lets the line slide, really important. If you have a handler with a nervous horse, it's really important you have a good handler. And you can see he just is, un, you know, wants to be not there, right? So I just stroke and, and, and I'm quick. So I have to say that the best thing to do is to practice with a slow horse, with a horse that's really easy because you can see how quick. And then of course there's always the, the, Debbie's just letting him back up and he was barely on the pad, right? And you can see his, his posture of pulling back, really nervous, right? But already there, and this is one of the things that's so fascinating is just from that first little moment, the second time, he, he checked in and it doesn't matter how much of his foot's on the pad, right? And I don't, I'm just explaining what I did in terms of picking up the leg, so I'm not actually talking, but look at the difference, right? He stays on it for a moment and then he backs up. And again, allowing him to move is really, really important. Now look at how he's standing. The front legs are much more vertical. There's our lick and chew. Right, the ears are now twiddling back instead of staring at the door, right? We've given him a lot of space, right? There's another lick and chew, right? And that was from, uh, I think in the beginning, I didn't get a pad underneath his foot, the part of the webinar that you didn't get to see. And then this was twice. And now look at the posture and how that shifted right there. As soon as his foot came down on the pad, and this is not a horse that had been on pads before, okay? And look at the difference in the softness in the lead. There's our lick and chew, right? The whole neckline is softer. The eyes are softening. The ears again, relaxed. The little tail swish, right? And that he's standing on it. And this is a hard pad that I used. And so I'm letting him stay there a little bit longer, but. Um, I can't remember if I take his foot off. Very, very often with a nervous horse, I will not allow them to walk off the pad. I will lift their foot and take the pad away. I'll kick it out of the way. So, cause you could see there when he picked his foot up and stepped back down on it, he wasn't sure about it. But now look, he's actually gonna come forward, right? And he's reorganized himself there. And the neck is lower, the eye is softer. He's actually looking away from the door and Debbie walks him off. And that's how long we spent. We did it, what, twice or twice and he put himself back on a third time. Um, and so that's really 
um, so important. I'm just see if I can just scrub forward and not make you ill. I worked with a horse mounted. Again, you can find this, this video and watch the whole thing. Oh, here's, here he is again on, um, on YouTube. Yep, here he is again. So I'm just going to back this up a tiny bit to see if we can get when he first comes over. Right, back over the, by the door, the backing up behavior, right, the anxiety, the, but softer, right? And again, I, I don't, if they're gonna back up, I go with them, right? But look at how he checks out the pad there. So from not wanting to look at it really at all, not really interested in touching it, to touching it. And then of course the anxiety came back again, but again, look at how the front legs are standing. He gives me his foot this time. I really didn't have to do much. Steps back, stops himself, right? Thinks about lowering his neck. Yep. And this is where you have to be really aware with these horses that, um, you know, probably there Debbie was a little bit too close. He felt a little bit trapped. Um, he was really good. He, really thought about where he was going to go and took his in a way took his time i'll just play that back again because you can see him kind of like trying to decide here how to solve this little dilemma and you can see the stance the pushback on the front legs the anxiety going back debbie just lets him go back right and i think that's one of the big keys is that is not to try to stop them in, at that moment. Um, you know, giving them a chance to kind of figure it out. So, right, he feels the pad, he's pretty square in front, thinks about moving forward, just looks totally stuck, and then scares himself as he kind of came over the pad. But did a great job of going away from us. Um, and so with these nervous horses, that you just always have to be on your guard for um, the fact that they are gonna do something more unpredictable. Um, and you want to know that before you get, you know, too committed. And I'm just going to see if he comes back again here. Oh, yeah, here he is again. But now we can see, you know, just watching him standing there. He doesn't have the as braced a front leg. Debbie's able to actually adjust his halter. Um, I was using a firm slant with another horse. I'm probably going to go back to the hard pad. Yep. <laughs> I, I stick with that hard pad because he's not ready for anything else. And, you know, I, I sometimes people send me emails and I can just read in the email that they've rushed the horse, that they've been too in a hurry to get pads under too many feet and, and use too soft a density. Um, you know, it, there's no need to hurry. Uh, with a horse like this, I would probably stay with that hard pad for quite a while and not try to, to get to something softer. And again, you can see him, he's trying to make a decision. You know, do I go back? Can I come forward? But that's really nice that he can actually make a redirect there. And even though he went back first, he could come forward, right? And again, he steps back. And you know Debbie's doing a great job here because it is not easy working in the pouring rain with a young nervous horse trying to make a, a video for people to watch. So I have to give her a ton of credit, right? So I picked up, I dropped the pad, he stepped the foot forward, no big deal. Here he's got the leg forward, no big deal. And you see how I kind of like just slow myself back out of there so I don't want to startle him. But what's really nice is he stepped forward. And look at the difference. So we can see when the pad is near his hind legs, when he steps forward, that he swung his quarters around. And it was when the pad got near his hind legs, the previous uh, interval, that worried him. So when that pad was near his hind quarters. So that's just huge clues about, you know, how he is with his sense of his body. And we only did it once. Um, and I'm trying to remember how much, I don't know that we worked with him a whole lot more, but now we can see that he's walking around more quietly, is softer in his body, and I'm talking to everybody, and I'll just scroll it forward and see if we do that one more time. I think he's in the background. 
Let's see. Yep. But just look, the neck is lower. He's walking more relaxed. Right? He's, the ears are coming forward. It's a lot softer. Still concerned. I don't blame him. It was just, it was a horrendous rainstorm. Um, and fortunately, the roof is insulated. So I think I'm going to go around to the right front foot. So I'd only done the same foot. And you can see the horse on the left is standing quietly on the firm slants behind, swaying a little bit. So you can see another horse standing on the pads. Again, he's, he's moving back. Nope. I, and actually, I, I agree with my decision here to continue on the left side. You know, again, it's just giving kind of painting the system and letting him think about it. And there he went to pick up his foot. And I just suggested, can you stay? And it's like, no. Yep. And he scares himself again when the pad comes on his right side. And we have to just be really careful here. And so sometimes just having them stand quietly near the pad is sufficient. He's really trying to figure everything out. I'm not sure what caused that startle right there. Um, but I'm just grateful to have this footage because I want people to understand that it's not always that what, you know, we typically see is the horse steps on a pad, chills out, drops his neck and sways, right? Um, you do have these nervous, anxious horses and it's really a question. Oh, <laughs> he spotted another set of pads, right? Super, but really nice that he could put his neck down and check it out. And he's just really trying really, really hard. And that time, actually, when he walked past with the pad behind, much, much less reaction. So I'm just going to stop my screen share. Close that out. Um, oh, wow. We've blown through that hour. So, you know, how can you break it down for that horse? Make it into smaller chunks, set him up for success, put yourself in a position of safety for both yourself and for the horse. Um, let him, like you can see in his case, he reacted, but nothing happened. And I think that that's one of the keys is that, you know, if a horse reacts, I don't. Now that takes years of training because the tendency is for us to escalate to you know, our nervous system to, you know, get scared too. Um, and it's something that we just all need to practice is how to stay calm when things aren't going so well. Um, I think the pandemic offers us an opportunity to practice that where we can go, okay, it's, it's another day that's not going well. And what can we do to uh, calm ourselves down? You can also stand on cheerful pads for yourself. Um, and how to be able to act instead of react. Um, and really seeing the horse, like he's not trying to do this to us, He's really concerned. And that horse had every reason to be concerned after that lightning strike. I mean, it was loud and furious and it poured down rain and we lost power below the arena. Everybody lost power. We were so lucky that we could actually do the webinar and didn't lose power because it struck the pole right outside the building. Um, so does anybody have any questions about working with nervous anxious horses? Um, physiopad or hard? stick with that density for a while, um, you know, keep the sessions short, set yourself up for success, give the horse a chance to process, walk them away, don't force them to stay, um, break it down, break it down, break it down, put yourself between, you know, kick the pads away. And um, the, the one horse that was running backwards when he saw me pick up a pad, he was like 30 feet away, six months later, uh, he was on, he came for a lesson in another arena. We took his halter off. He stood on four pads and swayed like crazy and hung out. And that, without having seen pads in between. When, when he steps forward, Rhonda, to me that he's moving forward. So, I, you know, I'd much rather have a horse go forward than backward or sideways. Because if you're going forward, to me, that's more in balance. You are stepping off the pad as opposed to falling sideways. So that's why I look at that forward motion. Um, you know, all things should be in forward motion, including backing up. <laughs> so, so can slants be used both ways? Yes, they can be used heel high 
heal low and you can use them in pronation or supination. So I've had some horses where I've taken them and worked with them this way as opposed to just front and back. Yep. Anybody? And of course, uh, uh, Rhonda, for them to walk forward, typically they've let their neck down, right? So they'll lower their neck down and move forward. Um, all right, if there aren't any other questions, I'm gonna wrap up this webinar. Thank you all for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, you can always pop me a question um, and, uh, you know, um, what is it? Wendy at wendymurdock.com. This one will go up on the, on the YouTube channel and we have some great guests lined up for next week. Can't think of them off the top of my head, um, but just sign up for those webinars at the murdochmethod.com shop at, under webinars and we'll see you all um, on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye.